James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Geordie's going to help us understand that now. All right, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy that I found out about this week. His name is Mao Waidong. And I found that funny because he's got Dong in his name. And that's kind of funny. Um, he is a world record holder. Can you guess what he's a world record holder in? Chewing? No, but great try, rake. I think there's a photo for it. Planking. Look how chilled out he looks. He's like, I could do other things while planking if you want. Like, I can read a book, I can do the dishes. Eight hours he can plank for. Eight hours. Some, sometimes, like, on the very rare occasion that I'm, like, forced to plank or something... If I get a minute, I'm like, I'm pretty good. Like, one whole minute. I did that. I, like, ring mom. I'm like, mom, I did a whole minute. How's that? Eight hours for this dude. Now, I don't know what you think when you hear that. I just think that's pretty impressive. And more than that, I'm like, how do you keep going? Like, there gets a point where you're just like, how do you keep going past the 10-minute mark, past the hour mark, past the two-hour mark, the four, like, how do you keep going? But there's people even more impressive than this guy, because some people's whole life is a struggle. Their whole life is a struggle, their whole life is hard, and yet they still keep going. And I kind of have the same question for people in those circumstances. I'm like, how does someone like that keep going throughout all the hard times, time and time again? Because life can really suck sometimes, hey? Sometimes life really sucks. It can be really hard. There's stuff at home going on. There's, there's physical health things. There's, there's loss of a loved one. There's troubles with friends. There's breakups. There's bullying. There's mental illness. There's people bagging you out for being a Christian. Whatever it is, there's so many things that can mean that life just sucks. And the question is, how can we keep going? How do you keep going when things like that happen time and time and time again? Now, you might be here tonight and you you have that exact question, how can I keep going? And if not, I reckon there's a time that's going to come in your life where you do ask that question, how can I keep going? We've started a new book this term, the book of James, and that's kind of the type of situation he's writing this letter into. 
there's a group of Christians who, it's, they're going real tough. They're finding it real hard and they're wondering, how do we keep going? And he opens up his letter with his big banner piece of advice to these people. Check it out in verse 2. This is his one big piece of advice to these guys. Verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it joy. Now, what's your first reaction when you hear that? I reckon for a lot of us, it kind of sounds like a cop-out. Do you know what I mean? Like, consider it joy. Do you know what I'm going through day after day after day? And the advice you've got is just, oh, just consider it joy and you'll be all good. How dare you say that, James? You're writing this letter to me and that's the advice you've got? Just be stoked, consider it good? Are you serious? What we're going to do tonight is kind of take a, a step through this, this letter and work out how can James say that? How can he be so bold as to write to people who are struggling big time and tell them, consider it pure joy? What are the reasons he has? There's four big ones that we're going to look at tonight. There's four reasons in the chunk that we just read. And all of them have to do with changing your perspective. Once you get these four things, it's like going to a 3D movie, not having the glasses on, and then putting them on. Like, oh, I I can see a bit more now. I kind of get a bit, it's not as chaotic. I can see some of the things that are going on. It's not going to fix everything, and it's not going to make everything perfect, but it's some reasons that you can consider pure joy, even when you're going through really hard stuff. Now, here's the thing. These things are written by James to Christians, And so the things we're looking at are really just true for Christians. So if that's you, like I said, it's not going to solve all your problems, it's not going to make all those trials and hard things go away, but it will help you put those glasses on and see a bit what's going on and why you can consider it joy. And if you're not a Christian tonight, this is on offer to Christians. There really is a way that you can have pure joy when life gets the hardest. And there's nowhere else you can get that. There's nowhere else that you can get that other than what we see in the Bible. So we're looking at four big reasons you can consider it pure joy when you're going through trials, hard times. Here's the first big one. Are you ready? In trials, God is making you perfect. He's making you perfect. Check out verse 2 again with me. So he gives his big banner, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So can, consider it pure, you can consider it pure joy in trials because, why? You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now the testing word here is kind of a little bit funny, it's not quite like a test that we might think of it. It doesn't mean, all right, we're going to test and see if there's any faith here, see if it's real. It's more like taking faith that really is there and strengthening it, making it even stronger. And so when you go through hard stuff, says James, you get stronger, your faith gets stronger. And this idea is all over the Bible. You see it in Romans 5, you see it in 1 Peter 1, you can chase those up later. When hard stuff happens, your faith is strengthened and made stronger. It's like a form of training, right? I used to play soccer and uh, pre-season, 
was usually my most hated time in the world. Because some, like in the season, you're not going and there's just fitness because you need to like practice shooting and stuff. Pre-season, they're like, let's be honest, you're all unfit, let's just run lots. And so I remember times where I'd drive up to the Oval and look, and I'm like, there's no soccer balls here. And I just drive home. I'm like, I'm not in this for running around in circles with no ball. I'll chase a ball around sometimes, but, but the, the point of the training is you do it, and the next time you do it, it's a little easier, right? You get fitter, you get stronger the more you do it. Training is important, it grows you, no pain, no gain. And James says, trials in life, hard times, are like training. They will grow you. Whether it's the gym, soccer, netball, fencing, whatever, training gets you better at the thing you're doing. And James says, trials are like that for a Christian. When you get through a hard time, you've persevered and you've made it great, your faith is stronger because of it. Check out the next verse, verse 4. So it's that perseverance, right? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance do its thing. Keep going with it. Let Let it finish its work so that what? You may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. It'll make you better. It makes you like you 2.0. Through trials, God strengthens you and grows your faith. He's making you more mature. He's growing you. And God wants you to grow. God doesn't want you to stay at the same point you are now, right? I used to um, do primary teaching and it was heaps of fun. Kids are heaps cute, but they're heaps stupid as well. Like Like they're surprisingly dumb. Like they... They suck at writing their own name. That's pretty dumb. Uh, they suck at counting. Can't count. They suck, oh, they suck at listening. That's what they really suck at. So you'll, you'll give like a simple explanation, like, all right, we're going to sit in our seats. Remember the ones you sit in every single day? And they're like, ah. right, We're going to do a spelling test. Does everyone understand? And one kid's always like, my dad said we can go to Disneyland. I don't care. Like, what is wrong with you, Arthur? Just listen. Like, just do the spelling. Like, why can you not listen that much? And it's kind of fine because they're so little. Like, they're, I don't know, six, six sounds, right? Right? But if someone was to grow up and still be like that, you're pretty worried, right? If you're talking to an old, like, 30-year-old person and that's what they're saying, you're like, are you all there? Like, are you all right? You expect people to grow. It'd be weird if they grew up in age but stayed the same maturity. Sometimes we think that the most loving thing to say to people is like, I just want you to stay, stay the way you are. Oh, I love you, baby, never change, right? <laughs> that is stupid. Yes, change. Get better. <laughs> like, there's things that oh, I struggle with. There's things I don't do well, Right? There are times when I, I lose my temper way earlier than I should. There's times where, where I get angry when I just shouldn't get angry. Now, my wife, she's, she shouldn't be like, I love you and you just keep doing that anger thing. Looks good on you. It doesn't. It's ugly. It's gross. She should love me enough to go, I love you the way you are, but 
I hope you grow. I hope you grow. And so, are you growing? Is your faith being matured as a Christian? Is that happening for you? Because that's what God wants from you. He doesn't want you to stay a primary school Christian. And trials are one of the things that God uses to grow you. And so, we can consider them pure joy. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Consider it pure joy because things aren't really what they seem. Things aren't really what they seem. I want you to imagine this, right? Over here, you've got a dude and he's super poor. He's in the pits. Arthur, again, right? Over here, super rich guy, Steve. Arthur, Steve. Who, if, if, if a normal person was to look at him, who's got it best? It's Steve, right? He's rich. He, he's got it all going on for him. Check out verse 9. Believers in humble circumstances, Arthur, ought to take pride in their high position. What? It sounds like he's typoed or something, like he should backspace. But he's saying Christians in humble circumstances, who are poor, who are lowly, who who just don't have it good, they've got the best position. From God's view, they've got it good. And the rich, what does it say about them? Verse 10, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Why? Keep going. Since they will pass away like a wild flower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and it withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Their stuff, the richest person's stuff, is going to just pass away anyway, so it's no good to them. And so they're in a bit of a dangerous position if that's the thing they're looking for. And so if you're poor, if you're in a humble circumstance, God says, you've got it good. That's the way things actually are, even if you can't see it. There's this super um, trashy movie. That, it's called Shallow Howl, right? Don't watch it. It just sucks. Like, do something funner with your time, like headbutt a wall or something. I don't know. But here's the, here's the gist, right? Jack Black, he's a jerk. He's just like mean to chicks and stuff. And then one day, I actually can't remember it heaps, he gets a spell put on him or something, I don't know. And he sees this chick and he's like, oh, she looks really nice, I'll date her. But she's actually super ginormous and that's the shadow. And everyone's like, why is he dating this chick that he wouldn't usually like? And it's just this weird movie where the whole time, everyone else can see what's going on and this one dude just has no idea. He's just got the completely wrong picture. He just didn't have eyes to see what's actually happening And that's like us, with people in seemingly really good positions and people in really humble positions. God says those humble ones, they grow us, they help us trust Him. So they've actually got it best. And those who have everything, who are having an epic time, they can actually have nothing at all, because it can all be taken. And so remember that when you're in a hard time. Things aren't what they seem. Here's the third big thing, the reason that you can consider it joy. God's got your back. God's got your back. Check out verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God has given you everything good that you have. He's the one who's given it to you. Every good thing you have is a good gift 
from your good God. And He's not changing anytime soon. He's not like a shadow, right? It's here when the sun's here, but then the sun moves and the shadow moves. God's not like that. He's always the person giving good things and He always will be. So that when hard times come, He's still got you back in those times. He's still really good in those times. And do you want evidence to know that He's good? Well, James reminds us in the very next verse. Look at verse 18. He, God the Father, chose to give us birth through the word, through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. That's a way of saying He gave us the gospel. He saved us through Jesus. You want the best gift that He's given us? He gave us His Son, that Jesus would die so that we could be forgiven. The gift of salvation. And so when hard times hit, that can never be taken from you. God has given it to you as a good gift. And He's still got your back in the hard times. And because of that, we can consider it pure joy when hard times come. Every good thing that you have is a good gift that God has given you. There's no good thing that exists that God didn't choose to make and make it and give to you. If you have a good thing, God has given it to you. I want you to think of something that you love, something that's good. Just think of something that is yours, that is good, that you enjoy. It could be, it could be an Xbox, it, could, it might be friends. It might be the sunrise that you see, it might be milkshakes, it might be money, it might be books, it might be snow, it might be a movie, it might be succulents, it might be meat, it might be zoodles, it might be like quinoa, I don't know what it is. What is something that you just love, that when you think about it, you're like, oh, that is so good, I enjoy that. God gave that to you. He thought of you and went, here is a good gift for you to enjoy. He gave you the thing to enjoy and He gave you you to enjoy that thing. That is how good He is. And there's a tragedy, a real tragedy, when people take the good things that God gives them, thank you, thank you, I'll take that, I'll take that, I'll take that, but never give thanks to the one who gave it to them. God has given people every good gift and many don't thank Him for it at all. Sometimes when I talk to people about God, like about becoming a Christian, they'll say things like, well, what's He ever done for me? Why would I follow Him? He's not done anything for me. He's done everything for you. He's given you everything you've got. He's given you the gospel, the way to be saved. It is a tragedy when people live their lives not thanking the one who's given them every good thing they have, every single one. And so can I encourage all of us to give thanks to God for the good stuff He's done. Actually thank Him for the good gifts that He's given you. I can sometimes we can think that we, it's just too trivial or a bit meaningless to thank God for little things. We've got to think of like really ginormous prayers. You can thank God for anything that you enjoy. And so, let, I want to give us a challenge, and this is for me as well. I want us to have a week of being thankful. And so, every day, think of three things that you're thankful for. So, when you wake up tomorrow, think of three things that, I, that you're thankful for, and thank God for them. Because they're good gifts that your good Father has given you. And so, you wake up, and you might say, you know, I, God, thank you for my friends, Thank you for my dog. 
Thank you for the son. Amen. Thank God for the good things that he's given you. You might want to do that in a group with a couple people, with your G team and message each other, whatever it is. You guys work out how to do it. But God has been really good to us and we should thank him. I need to be more thankful of the things that he's done for me. But there comes a time when these hard times hit where I think it's really easy for us to doubt that God is actually good, right? You might have had that. I've had that. But there's a particular thing in this passage that James kind of picks up on. Sometimes hard times lead to temptations, us wanting to do things that are sinful, right? And when that happens, we can think, well, hold on. If God really is good, like like you've said, why is He tempting me with all this hard stuff? Why is He tempting me to sin like this if He's so good? Because sometimes hard times make us want to sin, right? It might be a temptation just to leave God altogether. And you think, why is God tempting me to do this? Check out verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. No one should say, God is tempting me. Now, why not? Well, he gives a reason. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. When things come up in, in hard times that make you want to sin, James says, that is not God tempting you. Because God can't be tempted and He doesn't tempt anyone. He can't do it. We say lots of times, God can do anything. God cannot tempt people to sin. That's what it says, right? He doesn't tempt people to sin. He can't do that. He is so good that evil cannot be anywhere near Him. He's like He's deadly allergic to it or something, right? Evil can't be near Him. So He's not going to tempt the people that He loves to do the thing that He hates. God doesn't tempt people to sin. He does test people, right? We saw that earlier. God tests His people, but not in a way where He's trying to make us destroy our faith and sin. That's actually on us. That's actually our bad. Check out the next verse, verse 14. But each person is tempted, when what? When they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Temptation to do stuff that we shouldn't, that's on us. That's from our own evil desires. That's not on God. That's on people. Because God is always good. He's good all the time. And He's given us every good thing. In hard times, God has got your back. He always has and He always will. And here's the last thing to remember. We're up to our last one. In trials, you can consider it pure joy because the best is yet to come. The best really is yet to come. Check out verse 12. This is one of the key verses in this whole thing. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Trials really are hard. They really do suck. None of this takes away from how hard times can be but there really is something good coming. There really is a light at the end of the tunnel. The trials will end. And if you are trusting in Jesus and you made it through those trials, you have the best thing ever waiting for you. The crown of life. Just, it's the prize of eternal life. 
that is yours if you make it to the end, if you get through. The prize is living in heaven with our Lord forever, where there will be no more trials, there will be no more testing. Done. Eternal life. One of my, um, unlike Shallow Hal, one of my actual favourite movies is one called Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank, great movie. Great movie. It's about a guy called Andy, right? And Andy gets put in prison for doing something that he didn't do. So he's innocent, he's in prison and he is not getting out. He's there for like double life or whatever it is. He kind of gets in with the guards and he helps them out a bit. Long story short, he, he secures heaps of money for himself when he leaves prison. He knows that if he ever gets out somehow, he knows that he's kind of snuck away a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like he is loaded if he can just get out. Problem is, he's stuck in, right? He can't get to it. But finally, the night comes. He's been in prison for 19 years. None of you are even like 19. He's been in prison for 19 years, right? And for ages in his cell, for heaps of those years, he's been scraping at the wall. Little bit by little bit with this metal thing he's got. And he ends up making this tunnel through the wall. He's been hiding it with a poster. He's been getting rid of dust from it outside so no one knows what's going on. And finally, the tunnel is finished. He's scraped his way through. And this is the night where he's getting out. So he gets in the tunnel and he like wriggles out of it and he pops out in this hall. And he's looked at all the specks of the building. He knows that there's one thing stopping him from getting out. There's one way out. It's a big sewage pipe. So guys, I know what I've got to do. So he gets in, he breaks his way in, and he starts making his way through the sewage pipe. Crawling on his belly, poo up to here, wee everywhere, stuck in there for however long, and he just starts crawling through it, bit by bit. Every now and then he stops and he throws up, because it's gross. Can you imagine that, what that would smell like? What it would feel like going through it? That's 500 metres of sewage pipe. 500 metres, five football fields long, sewage pipe. Trudging slowly to get through it. Now, what do you think he's thinking as he's going through that? He's thinking, I just got to keep going. I just got to keep going. Because I know what's coming. He doesn't go, actually, this sewage pipe is sick. Because I know it's coming, it's actually really cool. No, he hates it. The circumstance is really hard. But he knows that if he can just get to the end, the prize is there. And he gets out and he is just frothing on life. He gets his money and this is like an iconic picture, this next one, of movies. It'll come up someday. Look at that. He gets out, you know, strips off, woo, right? He gets out and he's loving it because he made it. It took so long, it was so hard, but he made it to the end and he got what he was after. Sometimes life is really like that sewer pipe. It just really is. It, it is terrible. And I reckon some of you right now are in that exact spot, <laughs> You don't need to wait for the hard times to come. You are smack bang in the middle of them. And you're going, how can I keep going? How can I keep doing this day after day? Is being a Christian even worth it if this is what it's going to bring me? 
brothers and sisters, keep going. The prize is coming. It might not be tomorrow, it might not be the next day, but it really is coming. It really is worth the wait and worth the trudge. Do you reckon Andy, 10 years after this, right, do you think 10 years later he just could not get the side of that sewer out of his head? I reckon he's forgotten it. I reckon it is so far out of his head because he's enjoying the thing that he waited for so much that those trials were gone to him. When you are in heaven forever, these trials will be small. They're not now. They're huge. But the day is coming when you'll be able to look back and go, I made it through it. I made it through it. And so keep going and consider your trials a joy while you're in them. You can do it. That picture of the, of the Lord handing the crown of life, giving eternal life, that's the picture that I hold on to often. I go, man, I cannot wait. Or I see Jesus. And he goes, here you go. Well done. Eternal life. The pipe still sucks. Life might still suck. But James has given us four big reasons to keep on going. Keep on going. When you've got to choose between that guy or that girl or obeying Jesus, God is making you perfect. Obey Jesus. When the the people that are bullying you day after day after day after day seem to just have a better life than you in general, things aren't what they seem. When you're sick, when you break bones, when physical health breaks down, God has got your back. When anxiety kicks in, when depression overwhelms, when you're feeling crushed and lonely, the best really is yet to come. And so consider it joy, guys, when you go through trials, because one, God is making you perfect. Two, things aren't what they seem. Three, God has got your back. And four, the best really is yet to come. Why don't I pray? Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you really are a good God who cares for us, your people. We thank you that you have shown that so perfectly in giving us salvation, sending your son for us. But we recognize that life can actually be really hard. And some of us tonight are going through really hard things. We pray that you would comfort us, if that's us. We pray that you would help us to find joy in times that are really hard. Amen? Amen.